0: Don't worry, everybody. The new episode is coming right up. But first, I want to remind you there are three quick ways that you can support the Fat Guy Forum and help the show keep going. First, make sure that you have rated and reviewed the show on whatever pod service you're using, whether that is Apple, Spotify, or whatever it is. Make sure you're doing that. Two, you can join the Patreon for a few dollars a month. You get access to the after show. You help keep things going because this show does have costs. And you're able to be a part of the Fat Guy Forum community that I would love to see grow, get your input on what you want to see going on with the show, and more. And the third and final way, if you can't join the Patreon, but you're buying products for yourself that I'm an affiliate for, like Redmond Real Salt and Kettle and Fire Bone Broth, there are links and codes in the show notes where you will save money when you use them, and I get a little bit to help things going here. So, please... Pick at least one of those ways to support the show if you enjoy listening to it on a regular basis and know that I appreciate whatever you choose to do. And now let's get on with the episode. I'm Mike Brewer and this is the Road
1: to Fulfillment podcast. Every month you'll hear real stories from real leaders sharing their journey to success and what they found on the Road to Fulfillment. Hey everybody, Mike here. Wanted to say thank you for tuning in and just to let you know this episode was a little bit ripe with technical difficulties should come across very good still though and everything gourmet had to say seemed to come across like gold so i hope you enjoy it also if you're a regular listener i want to announce something new that i'm doing it's called the finding joy newsletter and it launches october 15th and what it is is a newsletter where i just write about one thing i'm learning that can help us improve our lives and find joy. So if you would, head over to Mike click on Finding Joy and sign up for that. I can't wait for you to see it. Now, I hope you enjoy my interview with Mike. All right. Brewer. Okay, welcome everybody to the Road to Fulfillment podcast. I am Mike Brewer, and today I am joined by someone who has been a big inspiration to me in my health journey and someone who uh, whose outcomes, I should say, have been uh, are something that I aspire to be and aspire to reach. So um, I get to interview today someone who is a mindset and a fitness coach as well as the host of the Fat Guy Forum podcast. Gormy, how in the world are you? I'm doing good.
0: I'm doing good. It's a good thing we're not going by my first name because then it would the transcript would just be Mike said this, Mike said that, Mike said this, <laughs> Mike said that. So
1: I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm glad we're getting to talk. Yeah, me too. So um, it's been a while since we've talked, but you have mm-hmm. quite a unique story. And uh, at, at this point in your life, you you're a fitness coach and a mindset coach, mm-hmm. uh, but it hasn't always been that way. Um, no. Tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are now, being a sure. coach to help people in their fitness journey.
0: Sure, I'll do my I'll do my best to elevator speech it so I don't ramble for for four or five hours on you. But I'm someone that grew I grew up as a big kid, always really struggled with my weight. Um, Started the diet roller coaster when I was 10 years old was when I was put on my first diet by my family. And that just became an eternal cycle in my life, up and down, and always up higher and down, and then up higher and down. And, you know, eventually got to a point where we're let's let's do some quick math. We're coming up on probably in the neighborhood of, of twenty years ago. Um, if I'm doing my math right, is when I kind of crossed over the five hundred pound mark. Um, and eventually was up around 540 pounds for a a fair amount of time. Um, and honestly, I think my weight didn't go higher than that because I probably was dealing with undiagnosed diabetes and dealing with, you know, blood sugar crashes that were making weight fall off and weight come back. And, you know, all of those fun things that happens when you're not regulating your illnesses. Um, I hit a point where I... Did a lot of moving around and was jumping around jobs, found a job that I thought was going to be where I was going to work for a long time. And the company closed and I was over 500 pounds and unemployed. Not a great place to be when you can barely walk into your office from the car, trying to go to interviews. So that was one of, I mean, I realized I was going to be homeless if I didn't find work. So I was like, to find work, I'm probably going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to get myself into better shape. So I started a, a weight loss plan where I was really chasing the scale. And I lost over 300 pounds. You know, I got down to, I think, my lowest at that point was like 205 pounds, 200, 210 pounds, 210 um, numbers. Um, right. But I got down to 210 pounds and thought I had done everything that I needed to do. And But honestly, I'd done no work on the mindset side at all. It was all about white knuckling and chasing and put on weight very quickly after that. Six months, I actually put on over... 270 pounds, um, which a lot of times people hear those numbers and they think it's impossible for you to double your weight in six months. And I did it. I have pictures and the receipts on my body to prove it. Um, and basically got to a point where I would still here and there try to lose weight, but had kind of like got frustrated and thought I had done that year longs that, fight, you know, years-long fight to get it all and then lost it and really was like, Maybe this is just how I'm meant to be. You know, maybe this is my fate. Thought I had accepted that. And that was in 2012, 2013, that all of that was happening. 2017, some things happened in my family where for the first time ever, I I had the thought that I need to be here and I need to be around. I need to live. Like, because i had really given up on the idea that my life had any intrinsic value, which is almost like a deep, dark thing to just throw out there and then move on from, but it's how I lived. Like I, I, I spent a long time going to bed every night with a letter by my bed for my family in case I didn't wake up the next day. Cause I was just convinced I was going to die at some point. Cause that was the track that I was on. I was not dealing with illnesses and I was just continuing to, I was, I was around 500 pounds again and 2017, I realized that I needed to do something and it wasn't that I felt responsible to my family that I wanted to make change. It was, I felt like I wanted to be there. You know, I had this drive to be alive for the first time and I knew I had done things wrong before. And it wasn't that it was the wrong plan. It was that I had done none of the mind work along the way. You know, I had focused on what was on my plate, but not was not how it was making my body feel, not how my mind was dealing with everything, all of those different pieces. So that was my goal. So 2017, I set out on that journey and Little bump in the road in, 20, in uh, we'll call it that. Well, actually, before that, you know, and again, I said I wasn't going to ramble for too long, but I will say what, my pattern in my life had been basically losing 75 to 100 pounds on a diet and then falling off for years. That was the established pattern. And I fell off in 2017 for a month. And at the end of that month, I realized I didn't like how I felt. I didn't like how the food was making me feel. I wasn't happy. And... I got back on my plan and that was the first time in my life that I ever got back on a plan in 30 days. Like I know people have their stories of like falling off for a weekend and things along those lines, but that was never me. I was always hard in either direction, if that makes sense. So got back on my plan. (laughs) Excuse me. It's, It's interesting that I'm coughing right now because we're about to talk about some things that happened respiratorily with me in 2017 Uh, In 2017, I I developed pneumonia and I was hospitalized. Now, I hadn't been to a doctor in over 20 years and I was terrified of doctors because I knew they were going to say, you need to lose weight, you have diabetes, you probably have heart problems. And I just was terrified of all of that. So I had to face my deepest, darkest fear and call my dad and say I needed to go to the emergency room. I was hospitalized for almost a month with pneumonia. Um... Was told that if I had waited a couple more hours, I probably would have died. Um, found out while I was in the hospital that I definitely did have diabetes at some point from the residual symptoms that they noticed in my body. And at some point in my life, i had had a heart attack and didn't know it. And this was also around the time that I had read some books in this area of stoicism and, you know, mindset around that. And I realized that there were a lot of things going on when I was hospitalized that I couldn't control and I had to let go of them. I had to let the doctors do what they needed to do. I had to let the people working in the hospital do what they needed to do. And then I needed to control what I needed to control. And I left the hospital still on oxygen, um, had to stay at my parents' house for almost two months after because I couldn't walk upstairs, but I was determined to live. And so over the next, it's now been almost six years since I was hospitalized. Is that math right? We're 2017, yeah, 2017 to 2023.
1: Not great. Hard. I know it's hard for Not me. Not <laughs> great with math on the fly
0: sometimes. Um, I, this 2017, I when I got into keto, uh, because I had done paleo before, I knew I'd been reading all about keto, thought it sounded interesting. And uh, it was something that was successful for me. I found that changing the way that I was eating gave me the freedom to work on the mindset side of things. Like I wasn't in a 24 seven fight with a, with food addiction when I ate that way. So I could actually work on what were the things that were triggering those episodes. You know, what was my purpose in life? Like all of those questions that come up when you free up mental space from that constant obsession with food, that constant thinking about food. And uh, I lost weight again. Um, Wow. Consistency on a, on a weight loss plan can lead to losing weight. Interesting. But I did it in a, you know, an interesting fact, someone (laughs) out there, write that down. Um, But I did it in a way that required me to, along the way, continue checking in with myself, I started journaling, I started asking myself the same questions every day, so that I was constantly in touch with how were the choices I was making affecting me? And were they moving me towards my goals? And all of these pieces started falling into place. And then keto stopped working. I'll say that in air quotes, because at the time when I was involved, when I first got into keto, I was told, well, if you keep your carbs low, you can eat as much food as you want, and you're going to lose weight. And I did that for almost two years. Um, worked great for me because when you're eating a ketogenic diet, it works on suppressing your appetite. So I was naturally in a caloric deficit. And then my food addiction issues and other things started fighting back against what I was doing. And I realized I needed help. I couldn't just do it alone. I was going to have to start tracking food. I was confused as heck by all of that. So I started working with a coach. Um, his name is Jonathan Shane, the Keto aka The Keto Road. And I worked with him for almost two years and very dramatically fired him on New Year's Eve. I uh, was it New Year's Eve 2020 that I fired him. New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve 2019, New Year's Day 2020. We set it up. He knew it wasn't just me, you know, okay. dramatically firing him. But I told him, I said, I want to announce on social media at midnight that you're no longer my coach. And he's like, Okay. Uh, So we we went from there. But I did a lot of work with him, not just on weight loss, but on mindset and uh, maintenance and what life looks like when you're coming out of these journeys. And um, a few months later, he reached out to me and said, he was starting his own coaching business. And he wanted to know if I was interested in being a coach with him. And I was terrified of that thought. uh, Because here I am still like, in my own head, like, am I successful? Do I even know what I'm doing for myself? Like, can I help someone else? And he was a calming influence. He was like, you know what you're talking about. You know, you just have to find the avenue to, to spread those words. So we started working on a group coaching program so I could kind of dip my toes in the water. Um, and from there, summer of 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, I started working as a one-on-one coach with people and I have been doing that ever since. So I work on my own challenges and I help people work on their own. And, you know, the biggest thing that I've learned along the way is consistency and mindfulness have been keys and, you know, finding their finding a way to put them into my life has been probably the biggest thing that I've
1: ever done. Yeah. I, I, I vaguely remember when you, before you made the switch to becoming a coach, mm-hmm. uh, you had mentioned, it's just if my memory serving me. You had mentioned that people were already approaching you. Mm-hmm. Who had been following your journey, asking you to coach, and you seemed very uncertain about that being, um, about that being the road you wanted to go down at the time. Was that mostly um, just you not believing you're ready for something like that?
0: Yeah, I think it was fear. Um, I think it was fear of what if, you know, someone puts all this trust in me and I'm not worthy of that trust. You know, I think we all go to that in different points in our lives, no matter what our job is. You know, when someone offers you more responsibility. You know, sometimes, especially if it's, you know, a a daytime nine to five job and they're offering you more responsibility, usually there's more money. So you're like, okay, I'll, I'll go for it, even though I'm not sure. Um, With this though, I knew coaching people was different than processing, you know, office, office documents or marketing or anything along those lines. It was about people, especially knowing the clients that I was going to work with. I knew where they were and I think there was some hesitancy on my part to say am i the person who can put my hand out to you and so and i think that just had to do with my own kind of self-esteem you know or fears or things along those lines which i think we all go through but really like you said you know at that point i had my account probably had i was close to around twenty thousand followers at that point and was dealing with hundreds of dms every day of people asking me coaching questions and i remember having a conversation with Robert Sykes, Keto Savage. And I'm like, I'm thinking about getting into coaching, and he's like, you're doing it already. He's like, look at the messages, the conversations you're having with people. That's what coaching is. You're just going to be able to do that more intensely with a person and more directed. So, look at what you're doing already. So, that was like an eye-opener to me, where I'm like, "Yeah." I talk to a lot of, <laughs> I spend a lot of my time every day. You know, I was working a, a, a daytime job, which eventually, you know, the pandemic took away, but I was working eight hours a day and then I was going home and working four to five hours a day on DMS. You know, like I think sometimes people don't understand the amount of time it takes when you don't have a social media manager or someone helping you answer all those questions. And I'm the kind of person that wants to make sure I'm giving every person who asked me a question an answer. So it was all, I was already spending a lot of energy and time. And this was a way for me to get into a place where I could find a platform to continue sharing the messages I was sharing but also work with people in a more directed fashion. So, yeah, I think part of it was was fear. And, you know, it was looking at all the people I knew who were doing coaching and being like, do I have what they have? And I had a good long conversation with someone about realizing also that there weren't a lot of people in the coaching space that had been through the what I had been through, you know, that had actually gone through that process of losing 200, 300 pounds and building life when you come through that and understanding what it means, you know, cause you see, you would see people, you know, and I would, it's, it's funny cause I actually had conversations with coaches before I became a coach who would say, I've never worked with someone who who's over 400 pounds and I'm giving someone a recommendation of going to the gym five times a week and they're pushing back on me really hard. And I'm like, well, have you even kind of talked to that person about, can they, walk can they walk into the gym and be okay you know not just from an emotional psychological standpoint but physically what happens when you go to the gym like I remember the first time I went to the gym um, in the high 400s low 500s and I couldn't fit on any of the equipment I stepped on a treadmill and it stopped moving so what do you do you know when someone's like you know walk on a treadmill for 30 minutes well the treadmill doesn't work and there's a foot and a half of snow outside so what do I do instead like Being able to help people who are in that place navigate some of those challenges was something that I thought was unique that I brought to the table. You know, the idea that I understand crying yourself to sleep over food. You know, I understand saying no to events because you're not going to fit into the space. I understand canceling social plans because you'd rather stay home and eat. Like, those are things, you know, that, you know, God bless all the coaches out there, But there are some things that some people just can't relate to because it's something they've never been through so Uh that was a door that i wanted to step through in a unique way
1: yeah now i can't tell you just guy to guy how much i appreciate this conversation because what people probably don't know about me is um i i used to weigh over 500 pounds as well Mm -hmm. i have not accomplished what you've accomplished and hit a 300 pound weight loss but i was very big and everything you're saying like skipping events or not wanting to go to restaurants Mm -hmm. because you don't know if you fit in a chair or, uh, you know, the looks, the, the wanting to go to the gym, but the equipment not working or, or stopping in mid walk when you're walking on a treadmill. Mm -hmm. I feel every bit of that. And I appreciate that. You're so willing to tell your story. Uh, so as I say that, though, I want to ask another question. Uh, as, as you look back, um, Aside from the, the, the personal moments with your family, were, were there any key moments where you said, um, man, I have to do something about this right now? Like I, I've had friends who've said, they sat in a, a lawn chair and the chair broke and they knew right then they had to do something about their situation. Uh, whether it was successful or not, they knew they had to do something. Were there, were there key moments like that for you or was it mostly the deeper personal stuff?
0: Well, it's, it's funny because like I, the furniture breaking moments were happening my whole life. Like, you know, I was, especially as soon as I hit adulthood, I was in that range of, is that chair going to hold me or not? You know, I have a a decades long battle with those white plastic lawn chairs, you know, that most big people understand. Um, So it was you know, I, I remember New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve, 2013, I went to a friend's house, you know, it was rare for me to leave the house at that point. You know, that was the year that I really put on a lot of weight really fast and was just kind of ashamed going out into public and i was talked out into going out and i remember sitting on a friend's couch and it cracked and you know it was like that nightmare scenario but i didn't wake up the next day and think new year's day new year new me or anything i was like well that couch must have been cheap like you you get to that point i feel like the human brain is so resilient that eventually we get to a point where we can convince ourselves of anything so really in a lot of ways those physical things i convinced myself of because i built a life like i like you know my Catchphrase at times is the bigger I got, the smaller my world got, you know, the smaller my life got. I wasn't going to places where furniture would break. So I was having those experiences, you know, I was avoiding all of those things. So I do think um, December of 2016, my family we went on a trip to the Bahamas. My parents took all of us to Atlantis Resort in the Bahamas as a Christmas gift. And I didn't realize that the Atlantis Resort is probably to walk from tip to tip is almost two miles of property. So we were going to pools every day that were like a half mile walk. And I just, I would make excuses to have to stop in the bathroom or I forgot something in the room or I'll catch up with you. Like it was a trip where I was there in the Bahamas, not costing me a lot of money to be there. And I wasn't able to fully experience everything. And I think that planted some seeds in my head, but it really was, I had so reinforced that this was how my life was going to be. Like, it, it really did have to do with me having to find purpose in my life for me to make change. Like, we, I, I had so normalized the saying no to going to places I had never been before, to calling restaurants to ask about seating, to knowing that I wasn't going to have the right clothing for an event. You know, all of those things. Like, I had accepted that that was my life. So I think it really, for me, was you know, having to get over that mental hurdle of not caring about life to realizing that I wanted to live. And that's why when I made that decision, I wrote it down in post-it notes and hung it up all over my house. Like on the fridge, on the cabinets, in the bathroom, in my bedroom. Luckily I lived alone, because it probably would look like a scene in a movie where someone walks in and they're like, what is going on here? Why are there post-it notes everywhere? But for me, I needed that. Because I knew and and again it's when you know yourself, I knew that I'd forget very quickly if I didn't keep it in focus, you know, and that was one of the things that really got me going.
1: Okay. So for those who don't follow you and haven't heard that, you know, all the, all the wisdom that comes out of you and your account, I, for those people who are like where we were when we started mm-hmm. this journey or even anyone who is about to, or, or wants to take on something that's in, that seems insurmountable in their life if you could just look directly, look them directly in the eye and say something to them uh, about them getting started and about going down that road, what would that be?
0: I think you have to realize that your life is on the track that it's on because of the choices that you're making. There are going to be things that you can control and things that you can't control. So to get started, it's not about a magic trick of I want to get started working on something. It's about saying, this is where I'm going. You have to make the decision of what you're going to do and then start implementing the things you need to do to get there. And that really is about sitting down and saying, what is my clear understanding of the goals that I have? Write them out. Even if you're not a writer, you're not a journaler, become one for a few minutes. Sit down and write those goals out. And then flip to the next page and write down the things that you think you need to be able to do to get to those goals. And then flip to the next page and look at what's realistic for you to do right now. Because I think that's also really important. Like we, especially in the realm of weight loss, but I think in almost anything we'll say, I want to lose 300 pounds. So what do I need to do to lose 300 pounds? But that's not what you need to think about because you're not going to lose 300 pounds until you lose one pound, 300 times. So what do I need to do right now today to take care of myself? What are the changes I can manage right now today? Because like I was alluding you know, to earlier, When I got started, physically, I could barely walk to my car. So if I could barely walk to my car, how was I going to do a workout? How was I going to get in the gym? How was I going to do any of those things? I needed to say, what can I do right now? What can I control right now? And I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to do that consistently. So realize that moving towards your goals and getting started is just about deciding that right now is the moment you're going to start identifying the things that you can control and starting to control those things. And there may be some things that will eventually become within your control as you continue to do this work, but worry about what you can do right now today.
1: That's excellent. That's uh, that's that, I, I, anybody on any level of this journey. That's excellent. Especially like, cause I remember when I started keto, I had what I considered great success as far as pounds dropped. Um, but then at, when I hit the one year mark and it stopped working
0: Mm-hmm.
1: which meant that, like you said, I hadn't done the work I needed to do to get myself mm-hmm. ready to move any farther. I didn't know what to do. And then I had setbacks. So that's that's fantastic advice. Um, and I think realize that setbacks are going to happen. Like,
0: my life is not perfect. I'm not a perfect individual. I don't claim to be. My The challenges that I faced on day one are the same challenges I face today what I like to tell people is those challenges don't necessarily go away. We just get better at handling them. We get better at understanding what we need to do to handle them. And we have to continue to make the choice to handle them. Like, there are some things that we can't control, even in our physical circumstances. But there's more that we can when we really sit down and think about it.
1: Excellent. Now, when you when you hit, uh, I, I know there's never really an end to a fitness goal or a weight loss journey, but... Um- when you finally hit the number you were looking for or the mm-hmm. uh, the spot you were looking for, did you feel like you found fulfillment or did you feel like, um, it just wasn't enough or you weren't there yet?
0: Well, it's funny. Cause I, I talked to a lot of people on my podcast that that's the answer they give, you know, I hit what I thought was going to be the finish line. And I was just, I realized I wasn't where I wanted to be. And I wanted to just obsess and keep going. And for me, what I had realized along the way was, especially as someone that dealt with, you know, a, you know, a severe weight problem, you know, for lack of a better term, if having goals is what helped me get to that finish line, quote unquote, I was going to need to have goals for the rest of my life. So instead of ever seeing it as a finish line, I just see that I'm in my, I'm in this place of, I have to continually have my eyes on the goals that I'm working on and things that I'm working towards. And it's about never finishing. It's about, you know, getting to that place and saying, okay, what am I going to work on now? You know, and it doesn't have to be like, for me, it wasn't that, you know, I was going to go from focusing on weight loss to I was going to run a marathon. You know, I interact with a lot of runners, John, the keto road. He's an ultra marathoner. He scares me. Um, I wasn't (laughs) going to become that person. But my knees are too bad. But I had to figure out for me, what was the thing I was working on, you know, next or currently, you know, what was the thing that I was going to be working on. So I felt like I was still living a purpose-driven life. And sometimes that purpose is about health. And sometimes that purpose is about relationships. And sometimes it's about career. And sometimes it's about how I want to exist in the world and how I want to move through the world. But it's having that clear understanding of purpose is the thing that carries us forward. And I think it's the thing when we lose sight of that purpose is when things get really, really challenging. And it's just we have to refocus again. You know, we have to say... Well, did I fail in that situation or was I just not doing the things that I needed to be doing? So how can I expect success if I'm not doing the work that I need to be doing? I don't know that's if that so answers good. your question
1: or not. It does. Yeah, that's so good. Thank you. Um, how would you define fulfillment then? Mm.
0: I realize that was the word that you said that I didn't. Um, it's hard because like on some levels, I, I feel like fulfillment Like, on a technical level, fulfillment is the order is fulfilled. You know, the order is done. Like, I think it's realizing that, you know, fulfillment comes in many different ways, in many different shapes and forms. And sometimes fulfillment is I made all good choices for myself today. And sometimes fulfillment is I hit a milestone. It's realizing that there's a fluidity to it and that it doesn't have to be so black and white all the time that I can stumble and still feel fulfilled because I know the next choice I make is going to be about supporting myself. You know, I can't change the past ever, but I can always look towards what am I going to do next? And I think for me, living in a place where I am mindful of the choices I'm making and I'm clear on the consequences of the choices I'm making and I understand the purpose behind what I'm doing is fulfillment to me. You know, it's the idea that you know I've, I've been big lately on this word of, of purpose you know this phrase of living a purposeful life like i think fulfillment is understanding that you're living your life with purpose and that there's intention behind the things that you're doing it's never allowing yourself to, to sit back and rest on that i was mindless or i was out of control like yeah saying no i in understanding that there were moments that i labeled as out of control in my life that were not out of control. You know, I was making choices, you know, when I've quote unquote fallen off the wagon in the past. And then I tell a friend about it later, their response is always, well, why did not you let me know when this was happening? And the honest response that I figured out was, it was because I knew they would stop me. And I didn't want to be stopped at that point. So even though my intention was not positive in that moment, there was still intention there. And it's being honest and owning those intentions that I think ends up, allowing us to go to bed at night
1: with a clear
0: conscience. Wow.
1: That's excellent. Thank you. All right. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. So mm-hmm. what I want to do now is go into a few rapid fire questions before we, before we hang up. Sure. Ready? All right. Bring it on. Bring it now, on. Let's say tomorrow you woke up mm-hmm. and you found out that your pay was going away mm-hmm. for the work you're doing right now. Would you still do it?
0: Yes. Um, well, one, I would say that on some levels, I did it for years without pay. Um, but two, I think, I think, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, you're asking rapid fire questions and now I'm going to go off on a 45 minute tangent. Yes, I would. Would I put limits on building new coaching relationships? Probably. Absolutely. But I would. Yeah. All
1: right. What's your most meaningful hobby? Hmm.
0: My most meaningful hobby, oh, this is going to, I don't know if this will will make sense, but for me, it's reading um, because it's not just an opportunity for me to learn something new. I kind of have this part of me that really enjoys the fact that I'm digesting something that someone else put together and worked on. You know, I like honoring the author. I like knowing that someone, especially when someone put their heart and soul into a, a written piece of work knowing that other people's eyes are on it, I think is is, yeah. is a gift to give to
1: them. Excellent. Okay. What's scarier to you? Success or failure?
0: Mm. Honestly, I don't think I find either of them scary. You know, I, I for me, what's scary is not trying
1: at all. Excellent. Okay, last question. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the movie? This isn't the question, but have you seen the movie mm-hmm. The Angriest Man in Brooklyn? I have not. Okay, so it's Myla Kunis, and every time I record a podcast, I forget his name, but he's the the comedian actor that that uh, he uh, recently committed suicide, well, a handful of years ago, but very yeah. funny guy. But anyways, the, the point of the movie is, he's a jerk. He's the angriest man in Brooklyn. Everybody hates him. He goes to the doctor, and he's such a jerk to the doctor. He's trying to find out what's wrong with him. The doctor says, you have 90 minutes to live.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Just... Horrible business to the doctor wasn't true. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the movie is about what he did for the next 90 minutes, mm-hmm. trying to repair relationships and do what he needed to do for the rest of his life. So my last question is, if you had 90 minutes to live, what would you do?
0: Hmm. I would probably, well, I live, with my, I live with one of my sisters. So I would tell her that I love her. I would call my parents and my other sister and brother, tell them that I love them. Um, and then honestly, I would, I would take the dog for a walk and probably go for a swim.
1: I love that answer. That's fantastic.
0: Because to me, what that question implies is that I don't have control over what's going to happen. So racing and freaking out isn't going to change that 90 minutes. So I think part of me also would be like, you know, I would do whatever popped into my head for that 90 minutes, you know, in that circumstance, whatever whatever then popped up, you know, it's not enough time to watch my favorite movie again. So, you know, yeah, I that's the, the worst part, part. Yeah, I think, I, think <laughs> I would, you know, I think I would reach out, you know, and I probably reach out to some other people. So one of the things I was going to say about that question is there's a part of it that's not fair because I just, I don't think it would be fair if I were to call these people and tell them I'm dying in 90 minutes. Like, so I even don't even think my conversations would be about, I'm going to be gone. Like I, because I, then I feel like it's, I don't know. It's an interesting question. It's a, it's a really interesting question. And there's a part of me that would feel bad that I wasn't going to tell them that I would be gone in 90 minutes. But there's also a part of me that thinks if I'm going to have enough time to connect with all the people I want to connect with, um, it's going to need to just be from that pure place of expressing appreciation and love and being able to call the next person. So yeah. I, don't know. I think it's what I like one. about
1: it—it's an impossible question to answer, mm-hmm. unless you just 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 thought about that before. But at the same time, like you said, you don't want to burden the person. You just want to be able to find some time. So, yeah, that's just one of those. That's one of those hard questions. I can't. I can't. I uh, help but ask. But it was uh, the but, the yeah. the guy in the movie is Robin Williams. By the way, I forgot the mm-hmm. that's part of peace. I forgot. Yeah.
0: Well, and I, I think too with that question. It's almost like there's a principle behind it that dictates how I handle every conversation I have though. Like every phone call I have with a, a family member or a person that I care about ends with me saying I love you. Like because you don't know and th- and this is where I'll avoid getting like too heavily emotional, but my mom died this summer and very unexpectedly and I talked to her the day before and the- our last words to each other were I love you. Like that's important to me. Like even if I have an argument with a person on the phone, you know, it still ends with I love you like because you never know when you might not have the chance to say that to a person again. And if they're important enough for you to feel that you love them, they should know that.
1: OK, so really, the, the, the takeaway I'm getting from your answer is um, nothing should matter too much in that last 90 minutes. It mm-hmm. should already be said. Yeah, I feel like it's.
0: It's if you hit that 90 minutes and feel like you have a million things left unsaid that I that's a natural reaction but sure. if there are really important things that you feel like you haven't said to someone in a while don't wait till you have 90 minutes like today call that person you know reach out to that person right now you know if you're fighting with a friend or a family member and it's been years and you've wanted, you've been waiting for them to extend the olive branch understand at the end of the day forgiveness is is about yourself not about the other person so if it's something you need to, if you need to give someone forgiveness for yourself to move on, you know, or whatever it is, do it today. Don't wait. Don't wait till you're in the 90 minute scenario. Excellent.
1: All right. Well, that is it. Tell us what is next for
0: Gormie. Um. Well, today, if it, if the sun ever comes out, I might get in the pool, but um, what comes next for me is just keeping doing what I'm doing, working with people. Um, I'm, you know, one of the things that I've, I've really gotten into with the Keel Road team is not just my coaching, but working on content creation, and I work on a couple different newsletters now and blogs, and so I'm always finding different ways because I feel like different types of media reach people in different ways. So whether it's a newsletter tip, or it's a blog post, or a recipe, or something I share on social media, just trying to continue to connect with people. Um, Fat Guy Forum comes out every week. Um, we have some great guests lined up. I'm excited over the next month. So just really continuing to, you know, I created that podcast to share the stories of, of men who have been on, are on, or are, are about to start weight loss journeys or have never even thought about being on one and don't know what to do sort of thing. Like, because I found there was a, a space for it. There weren't a lot of people talking about that at the time when I started it. So more people are now, which I love, but it still will remain you know, that place to share those, you know, share those journeys and allow people to, in a lot of ways, I'm a way station. I'm the first person that a lot of people talk to um, on their their journey, sharing their stories on podcasts. So um, it's always fun to see where they go, you know, to see yeah. you go from being a guest to now having a podcast of your own. There's probably a dozen guys that have been on the show that have started, started and moved on with podcasts since they were on the show. So it's just fun to see and I've seen really strong friendships start between guests. So I just love uh, continuing to
1: make that community grow. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, I, I can't put you over enough. Look, if, if you're looking for, if you're out there and you're, and you're someone like Gourmet and I were, and you're, you're trying to go down this road, uh, and you're thinking about hiring or getting in touch with, or needing to talk to someone who's a coach, um, there's a lot of people out there, like, like Gormie said, a lot of people out there who are in the weight loss space, who are in the fitness space, but there are very few who have been where you are. um, If you are a very large person and need to lose Mm -hmm. weight. So Gormie is someone who's done it, he's done it more than once. Mm -hmm. And he's someone who knows how to make sure that it works and it sticks. And it's a long-term solution. And he knows and understands what changes need to be made to your mindset. So, Having said that, if someone who's already not following you, which there probably aren't many left, how do they find Gourmet online? Well,
0: they can find me, obviously, the podcast, the Fat Guy forums on all podcast platforms. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, also at Gourmet Goes Keto. And I'll throw out there, you know, like you had mentioned earlier, my my coaching, I I do work with uh, a number of clients on ketogenic journeys, but I also work with clients from a mindset perspective who are either working on another plan or don't even have weight loss as a part of what they're, they're dealing with. They're working on habit building and mindset. And so I get them going, you know, it's based on what that person's goals are. But I've worked with people on Weight Watchers. Um, I'm working with a client now who is using uh, some of the more popular, you know, weight loss medications that are out there and dealing with adjusting to that because I think the mindset piece is very similar no matter what tool you're using. So, you know, if it's something you're interested in, click on my profile. You can set up a free consultation and I may not be the right fit. That's the other thing too. find the right coach for you. I'll I'll tangent for another 20 minutes on that as well. So I'll, I'll stop there, but Gourmet Goes Keto on Instagram
1: is probably the best place to find me. All right. Well, thank you very much. And we'll have to do this again down the road. Gourmet, thank Thank you, man. Definitely. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.